0: This podcast episode is brought to you by IronSource. IronSource are not a spinach-based nutrition company, as their name might suggest, but are actually a game tech company which builds technologies that help you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing a leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor of Fun are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on over to ironsource.com, ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks.
1: Folks, most mobile advertisers are increasingly aware of the dangers of app install fraud. In fact, global financial exposure to app install fraud in the first half of 2020 was 1.6 billion. And even though the mobile ad industry has grown exponentially to defend itself properly against ad fraud, the potential amount of damage is still extremely high, and fraudsters will always want a piece of that pie. Now, fraud methods are constantly evolving and adapting to solutions in the market. Still, staying protected and applying sophisticated anti-fraud solutions are very much a necessity for all marketers. As you all know, our good partner, AppsFlyer, offers super robust fraud protection, making sure you're not paying for that bogus traffic. AppsFlyer is also perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile. A true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive that marketing success. And listen, it's not only us here at Deconstructor of Fun raving about AppsFlyer. PlayRix, Tencent, PlayTika, Square Enix, Huge Games, all of these companies and many more are using AppsFlyer to boost their business. So go to appsflyer.com and get yourself attribution and fraud protection you can trust. Do it live.
0: Well, up everybody, Twig99. We've got myself, Joe Kim, Eric Crest, Adam Telfer. And we have some news today. We will be talking about, first, India bans PUBG and latest crackdown on Chinese apps. Secondly, Epic's latest Apple argument hints at plans for world domination by Kotaku. Third report, new switch model with better graphics coming in 2021 by Polygon. And finally, PS5 won't be backwards compatible with PS3, PS2, or PS1. Ubisoft says by Polygon as well. Snooze. All right. We got updates. <laughs> 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 well, we uh,
2: slow, news week. slow news week. Okay. Yeah, this is like the first
3: time where I can actually officially say it's been a slow news week because we've had kind of some big, big stories over the last six months. So uh, we'll right. just make it quick and sweet, quick in, and In short. place
0: of, of news then, tell me something exciting about your lives. What, what's going on? Evan? What's the deep, dark industry secret you're going to reveal right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's no, absolutely no, no. I'm playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the remaster. That's good. (laughs) I really like it. Yep, I'm playing Avengers too, but Tony Hawk is pretty good. I uh, heard Tony Hawk's amazing. Well, did you play Tony Hawk? Like, did you enjoy the originals?
3: No, I did not. But
2: I appreciate what it did, right?
3: And the quality for those that love it, but... The, you guys
0: played Spellbreak? I just downloaded it, but I haven't played it yet. So I
2: played free the free to play Battle Royale, um, yeah, Mana. yeah, 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 so. yeah no, I have. I, I actually played it a while back, um, because it's been out for a long time. Oh, okay, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I played the beta,
3: um, a way, long time ago. Actually, I'll probably download it again because I like fantasy,
2: but I'm not a big Battle Royale guy either, yeah. So, um, uh, I just found like the I don't know, like the, their gimmick, right? Is combining the different spells together, um, which just wasn't interesting enough for me for long. It time.
3: wasn't intuitive either when I played it, but I, I'm hoping they fix some of that. Yeah.
0: All right. Okay. So we'll have an update next week. As yeah. uh, the
3: big update is that we'll World play. of Warcraft's coming out next October, dude. I'm so excited, dude. World of Warcraft expansion. Come on, everyone, come back I in. the big news.
0: I, I got the big <laughs> ne- bigger news for you. A quick update here. So three updates from me. Adam has like a bunch. But first, mobile esports betting and competition platform Skills is going public this fall on the New York Stock Exchange through a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. SPACs seem to be all the rage this year. And Skills will raise an estimated $849 Jesus. million in cash from investors at a $3.5 billion pre-money valuation. And the valuation is 6.3 times the company's forecast 2022
3: revenue so just to be clear here like these companies all filing right now to go public or it's all opportunistic because of where we're trading and now that the stocks are starting to come down and it seems like we may be having a correction in the next couple months none of these companies will probably likely get out but we will see but if we see another rebound in the market then these companies that i don't think should be going out are going to go out, which is a little bit scary. Skills, in particular, I think they benefited tremendously from this COVID thing, but I yeah. don't know if they're going to have the, uh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about this company. This company is a little bit too close, <laughs> but, but but we'll see. It's a little bit, these are companies that typically would not be able to get public. They would usually get it acquired, generally speaking.
0: All right. Second update, something my co-host can't talk about at all, <laughs> <laughs> but Engadget, along with many other publications, are reporting that AT&T has backed away from selling Warner Brothers Interactive. When news of the sale first broke, CNBC first reported that AT&T could have netted as much as $4 billion from the sale. Also, several prominent game publishers were reportedly interested, including Microsoft, Take-Two, EA, and Activision Blizzard. Bloomberg reports that AT&T is likely scrapping the sale for two main reasons. First, that Warner Brothers is holding out based on a new open rolled Harry Potter game that will release in 2021 that has not been announced. <laughs> and secondly, Bloomberg notes potential complications with the license of IP owned by Warner Brothers that may have complicated the sale. And if you don't remember, AT&T acquired Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment as part of its $85 billion purchase of Time Warner in 2018, and since then has sought ways to reduce its debt load, so including its gaming division, they have also tried to sell DirecTV and its anime streaming service Crunchyroll. Final update, GamesRadar is speculating that a God of War sequel could be appearing this year as a showpiece for the PS5. Publication also notes, based on job listings for Santa Monica Studio, it's pretty much certain that Santa, Santa Monica is working on God of War and that it will be for PS5.
2: Yeah, it's so. a question of when. I don't know how quickly
3: right. that's going to come out. Actually, I, I've been told that they're not working, well, that they're weird, far off on God of War. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. So
0: maybe, so maybe Games Radar is wrong.
3: But I think they're wrong.
0: That would be but, pretty, pretty cool if... <laughs> They came out this year along with the launch. That, yeah, that, would, like that would, would move would units. <laughs> it's <Well>, certainly <laughs> not coming out this
3: year. <laughs> you're out of your mind. It's not coming out this year. There are no exclusives for PS5, period. End of sentence. Okay, let's let's
2: see if Ratchet <laughs> & Clank is an exclusive or not. There, we talked about this last week.
3: Yeah. You, you, uh, actually, the only one that looks like it is, is Ratchet and Clank, but I've been told it's
2: not. So <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know how technically they can do it. Like the whole thing is the moving between worlds. But
3: yeah, but you're talking about like you never saw anybody play it, right? This is all just like what? Video, right? They, they can make anything know. happen
2: in video. No, no. At Gamescom, they showed actual gameplay. Them Someone actually, actually playing actually playing the game and then moving between worlds instantaneously. That's why I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Is this the only thing that can happen on PS5? Okay. This is an exclusive. All right. Well, we we will see. We will see. Okay. Um, Okay. The biggest, the actual biggest news this week. Um, So Suford got the rumor correct. Apple has delayed the IDFA rollout until early 2021. So that was the the biggest kind of bombshell this week. So more information, including an update to the App Store review guidelines, is coming this fall. But it still means that the adpocalypse is going to be delayed (laughs) until next year. So hopefully this gives teams a lot more time to actually start adapting. Because as reported last week, Facebook already is planning to move away from the IDFA regardless. So I think the next few months is, is going to give, I think, teams a little bit of time to start adapting. Um But start yeah with it, please. yeah,
3: I mean, you're right, this is huge news. I'm just so sick of speaking about IDFA, but clear to be clear here, this does not mean, as I've heard from some people that they are looking at other options in terms of in lieu of removing the IDFA. This basically just means they're giving publishers more time to adjust to a post IDFA world. And so Apple is somewhat of a benevolent dictator in this case, but they're still a
2: dictator, right? So let's be clear here. Am I right on that, Yes, absolutely. Yep, they're delaying, they're not removing or changing. Huge, that's with two or three U's, is contemplating IPO on the Warsaw Stock Exchange in Poland. Um, It's actually just going through government regulation now. Um, So if you don't know too much about Huge, their casino app on iOS and Android has made roughly 375 million, according to Sensor Tower so far. Um, and they broke into the social casino space back in, say, 2016, 2017, by adding faux social to their actual slots experiences. Um, they've also been experimenting with hyper casual recently, um, but uh, they, they've been definitely a, a hockey stick style growth for quite a while. Um, yeah, so, I, again, again, this is a solid business. I think their games
3: are great. They're very consistent, but this is not a company that should be public, uh, but- in this in this market, I think in Poland, for instance, like the CD Projekt stock performance is getting more attention in the video game space in Poland. So that may be part of, you know, the zeitgeist around bringing companies out there public. But these companies don't, in my opinion, have a business to be public
2: um avengers um launched on friday i've been playing since their early access in the beta um and the reviews overall have been pretty mixed and most have actually been citing that the single player campaign is great but the end game feels pretty underbaked and it's resulting right now in a metacritic of about 73 last i checked um, and for me, like Crystal Dynamics, they're the dev behind like the Tomb Raider reboot. They've always been great at, at creating story campaigns. And you can really see that's where a lot of the energy was placed inside of this game. But I would say that a lot of the games as service ideas and systems, basically what they looked at was like, what did Destiny do? And applied it to Avengers. <laughs> and the reality is that the core mechanics of an action brawler don't have the same depth and hooks as a shooter. So while I think like the shooter and MMO light was peanut butter and chocolate, I think the brawler action plus MMO light requires a rethink of a lot of the core mechanics. Um, But despite this, it'll be interesting to track because like the IP is still carrying the game. The beta was actually the biggest ever on PlayStation Um, and gamesindustry.biz is reporting that at least early physical units in the UK Um, have have surpassed NBA and Tony Hawk um, just this weekend. So decent early signs, but we'll see as the the real numbers come in.
3: Yeah, I I, I think what's interesting about this one is that, you know, we had the debacle with Ghost Recon from UB in terms of trying to force feed, you know, software as a service in a game that no one wanted it. Uh, And then this one is more of a mismatch in terms of uh, genre versus uh, IP, I suppose. But it'll be interesting to see if they can pull this thing out, and whether this game will do well despite the fact that it's really all not that great on the end game. Because you know, people are dying for some type of Marvel experience. All the movies have been delayed. It's like you know, you have these fans of the of the of the IP that have not been able to, um, you know, basically participate or, or you know, I don't see anything in the in the in the IP. So. This game might do better than we expect. Certainly may have a little bit more legs on, on the catalog side, but uh, but it seems like they're force-feeding something that doesn't belong there. Um, yeah, it
2: matters what the life plan is for
3: this, right? Yeah. Right
2: now it looks like they're just launching characters over time, um, but no new stories, no new content. Yeah. Um, we'll
3: and the other really funny thing that I heard about this, and my, my son said the same thing. I know I focus group of one, but it's like the characters are so off-putting to some degree, like there's this suspension of disbelief in the sense that they're so used to seeing the movie uh, actors as the characters that the the characters in the game just don't look real, right? They look fake, right? Even though they're rendered well, I mean, they're great characters, but because they don't, they didn't get the license for all the different uh, actors, it's really off-putting to a lot of people. And that's kind of what my son said, but that was a lot of the reviews were saying as well. So...
0: I actually have a bet with my son about which game outsells. So he thinks Avengers is going to outsell Spider-Man. I think spider mans going to outsell Avengers. You mean Miles you Morales
2: think? or do you mean
3: the original? Yeah, yeah,
0: Miles, Miles Morales.
3: Well, if Miles Morales is cross-platform, he's hosed. But if it's only PS5
2: as people think it is,
0: then
3: yeah.
2: you're going to win. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, next one. See, I'm just doing like rapid fire news. Everything is pretty light this week. Um, Nintendo had some amazing fanboy news specifically for me this week. Um, so we got a re-release of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, Galaxy. Um, but the surprising news was Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. Did you guys see this? Oh, my God. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> stop. I love this. I love this. Okay. So uh, you can buy a remote control car. You can drive around your home. And it actually has a little video camera on top of the... Of the remote control car which you can actually play in your house augmented reality um design your own courses to r- race around your home oh it's actually pretty cool probably my favorite use of ar so far um especially with the ip it actually has legs for a pretty big christmas toy
3: oh my lord I, I every time i hear these type of releases i'm just like oh you got to be kidding me but i actually did listen to a lot of podcasts about people talking about this and they say it looks amazing and it looks like a lot of fun and so like all these fanboys are definitely going to buy this you're not going to be you're not going to be able to find it it's going to be like one of those things again so uh we'll see I think you're Big muted fish, Adam. which is
0: the
2: bigger news of the week um laid off 250 people um, the scale that Big Fish developer over many years as a multi-platform publisher has made it difficult to successfully lead in mobile, which requires greater agility and different operating and creative capabilities. This was the spiel of why they did the 250 person restructuring. Um, I'm not really sure what all that means. Um, <laughs> finer print from this is you're moving to a single studio model, which will expand partnerships with external developers. And they're building a consolidated business performance team. So consolidating analytics, studio, social, and performance marketing. Uh, That seems okay. I, I can buy that part of it. But looking at Sensor Tower, it looks like Big Fish isn't really in a bad situation. Their revenue has jumped since COVID. And prior to COVID, they've only been on, say, a very, very slightly downward trend in revenue since 2018. But no signs are that the business is at risk. Their biggest franchises look to be doing fine. That's Gummy Drop and Big Fish Casino, and also their Ever Merge, which is their recent release, looks like it's getting their focus. Uh, and so far, is actually on a pretty good trajectory. Um, so likely, this is just actually like a real restructure. They saw business inefficiencies. They're trying to consolidate their internal teams, and uh, they they want to actually deal specifically with that uh, productivity. Eric, did you have a comment there?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just want to say that the part of the problem with with with, well, part of what's happening there, and I don't really have much uh, good information on this company because it's just not on my radar, but Jeff Carp, who was running this thing for the last year or so, uh, left and went back to EA. And so I imagine that there's a changing of the guard and a changing of strategy may be part of the reason he left. I really don't know. But the reality of it is this seems like a general restructuring of the business, you know, whether because you're right, the numbers look fine. They look like they're really, really strong. Um, and so I don't see that there's any real issues here, but, uh, but yeah, let's, and then the, the legal case you're going to talk about.
2: Yeah. So the other news this week was that Big Fish was fined $155 million by Washington state. Um, so this was actually originating in a suit that was back in 2015. Um, it argued that virtual chips represent something of value, which is a vague clause within the Washington state law governing gambling, that you can't, uh, that, that these virtual chips being something of value actually dictates that this should be classified as gambling. So in 2016, the U.S. District Court judge in Seattle threw out the original complaint, um, but actually this week it was reversed. Um, the The statement was, we hold that because Big Fish Casino's virtual chips are a thing of value. Big Fish Casino constitutes a... Uh, illegal gambling under Washington law, uh, citing that players can cash out through secondary markets by transferring accounts to other players. Um, so I can't really comment on the legals here, um, other, other than states that have similar causes, whether there's a chance of it spreading beyond Washington um, and, and impacting social casino or, or other mobile games. Because like technically, most mobile games that are successful will end up having secondary markets, whether they want them or not. Um, And so if this is really the precedent, that's a, that's a nasty one, but I'm, I'm going to hear a real legal opinion before saying that the sky is falling on this. (laughs) Yeah. So
3: as I I understand it now, after actually having lawyers on the podcast last week, now I feel like a total moron whenever I speak about late law stuff, but what my understanding with this, the difference between this and other cases and other social casino companies is that Big Fish was actually facilitating the ability to cash out in some ways. And so they pulled that ability years and years ago. Right. So that's why they're on the hook here. The, the actual the legal case about, you know, whether uh, the casino games is actually gambling is not something they prove. But the fact that you could cash out, that's what made it like uh you know illegal and that that's why this case is still in the courts that is my understanding
2: um, so were they facilitating secondary markets back in 2015 and they no yeah. longer are
3: right correct okay correct so it did was, they build up
2: their, their own or how did they build those secondary markets
3: i don't exactly remember but they were they were allowing people to transfer chips outside of the ecosystem no they were allowing people to transfer chips within to each other or something like that which helped facilitate it if they if most no no not many and I don't want to say none, but most social casino companies don't allow that at all transferring any type of chips or currencies or whatever, but they were allowing transfers which then allowed for uh um uh, cashing out with other players. Does that make sense? yeah, so like so, they
2: facilitated people being able to send chips between each other, and then people had like side deals of like if you send exactly. me these chips, I'll give you the exactly the exactly and so that in
3: that is like the definition of of well that actually strikes the definition of, of of gambling because you're being able to cash out right and so but no other games do that so i think this that's the distinction it was pretty egregious on their part to do this because i mean there's anyway there's no real discrepancy there in terms of whether that's legal or not so um, the other thing you have to understand about Big Fish is it's part of uh, Churchill Downs, right? And I wanted to mention this is that so they've they acquired Playrix and they acquired Big Fish and I think a few others. And th- this is their basically story for growth. So they're not basically destroying this business. They 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 want this business to grow because their traditional casino business uh, is actually flatlined, right? So this is their core um, core business did for say growth. They
0: acquired Playrix? <laughs> I don't think they acquired Playrix.
3: What did I say? I said Playrix? Plarium, like, the, the I said Plarium. Oh, plarium Did I say right Plarium? There. Oh, sorry. Plarium. Yeah. Um, by the way, God, Evermerge is killing it right now. Uh, they're just basically copying uh, Zynga's games, huh? Anyway, interesting. Uh, so no, I don't think this is like the beginning of the end. I think this is actually just a typical restructuring and they're just trying to get their 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 business properly aligned. What I don't like about this is the central stu- central stuff managing all these creatives that's that's a little bit of a warning sign to me but <laughs> we will see how yeah, well they th- do. The
0: third party stuff is usually kind of challenged right so that's yeah, that's yeah. a model that has been very difficult but yeah I guess we'll see. The other thing is like do you guys think this is this becomes a broader issue in terms of whether it's a legal suit or anything else it's it seems like there might be something bigger at play here, or or maybe there isn't. No, this is an old case that
3: was basically brought to the appeals court and the appeals court put it back down to the, see, this is when I get out of my, um, this just seems like an old case that's coming back to life and they are dead to rights on this. And so they're likely going to have to settle this and pay something because they were, they were in the wrong, but no one else was doing this in the space that I, that I remember. So, um, man we're gonna have to have a legal consult every like few weeks now (laughs) with all this bullshit
0: (laughs) or we can ask like a a lloyd milnick or a brett nowak or something so if if either of you guys know if this is a bigger issue let us know and jump on with us but anyway um
2: nvidia this week announced the rtx 3080 lineup which looks like the next big step in gpus so uh last time 2018 GeForce RTX 2000 series uh, was released. Um, So this is just two years later. Um, And it's interesting what they're trying to tout with like why you need to upgrade to the 3000 series. It's ray tracing and 8K gaming. On the 8K side, um, it's been really interesting to to see the response, right? Is that it's really tough to push. Uh, The demos actually show that players just can't even tell the difference between 4K and 8K without being very close to a pretty massive computer monitor. Um, so if you can't tell it on PC, you're definitely not going to tell it on console. So the only thing that they can really tout is the ray tracing element, uh, which you know, is likely going to become a thing and that will actually sell these units. And I think ray tracing at 4K resolution at 60 frames per second um, can introduce a lot more graphical fidelity, um, especially for how you handle things like lighting. So I think it's likely that we move away from you know like NVIDIA trying to tout Resolution as the big sexy number and we start moving towards ray tracing metrics So like number of light beams you can simulate during a GPU cycle or just how fast these cycles can be Uh, things like response rate um, For the next generation of of GPUs.
3: I will say this. I'm getting more and more concerned about Fidelity and and whether people can even discern the difference anymore, right as you said, I will say this, is that the bang for your buck for these cards is pretty impressive. Like the 20, sorry, the 3080, I think it's 500 bucks. It's like almost double the performance of the best card from the last generation. Something along those lines I was reading. So like, I mean, it is pretty impressive. The problem is that I don't see really the incremental benefit of upgrading these days. I mean, ray tracing is interesting and maybe if if people start optimizing against ray tracing and and do more with it. um, but, uh, But I just don't really see the purpose—it <laughs> just doesn't seem like the upgrade cycles are going to be all that fast going forward, in my view. Anyway,
2: have you played many games with ray tracing?
3: Yeah, I mean, I have a 2080 uh, Super, I think, and uh, you know, Control, and um, oh, what was the other game? Anyway, a few others. Oh, oh uh, Call of Duty. It just didn't—you I mean, could tell like something was going on, but it wasn't as dramatic right. i I just don't think it shows as well as higher fidelity. that's that's my point, like from from a from a layman perspective or even from a gamer perspective. Um, so I don't know, maybe maybe we'll see better people pushing it. But again, the big challenge here is that you know consoles are the ones that drive most of the innovation from from a from a graphics perspective. and so everyone optimizes against the consoles, which are going to be at a certain level. And so maybe when these next gen consoles come out, then there'll be a little bit more uh, experimentation with ray tracing and other like, uh, you know, graphical fidelity things. And that will actually make cards shine a little bit more. Um, but I, maybe we've just been in this lull because of how um, how low, low specs these current gen consoles are.
2: So I don't know. We'll see. Madden. So Madden 21 is up 20% from the previous year. Um, so EA is reporting that unit sell through is 20% up. Um, and as Eric has reported before, Madden is typically the signal that analysts use to predict test sales in the holiday quarter are going to perform. Um, so overall, this is a very good sign for holiday uh, 2020. Um, and this is actually on the back that this is a pretty poorly reviewed Madden. So oh, it's terrible. <laughs> All the games have been like 80, dude. This one's gotten just getting blasted. 63 Metacritic uh, with a ton of player backlash. So it's now at a 0.2%. 2 user rating on metacritic which is the lowest ever right and i think like every single time there's backlash we always make fun of this number like whether that's warcraft 3 remaster nba 2k or star wars (laughs) battlefront 0.2 has officially taken the cake so um most players are complaining that this game is essentially the exact same as before um, with very very minor adjustments, and in some cases just adding more bugs, uh, and some players actually spotting that there are assets in the stands within stadiums that have like one or two year old textures, so elements that clearly say Madden twenty or Madden nineteen <laughs> right on them. Um, so that's <laughs> that's spurring a lot of hate, um, and it's likely that you know COVID has made for a very difficult development process for this Stop. game. Stop blaming
3: COVID for everything, for Christ's sake. They're in Florida. They don't care, they're they're probably in the office the whole time.
2: (laughs) Well, I think COVID probably created some difficult development processes leading to some cutting of corners. Also created a bump at, at home gaming, leading people to purchase the thing anyways. So people are looking for entertainment while they're stuck at home and while movement remains pretty restricted. And don't worry, Eric, you know, this is just the beginning because then the Stadia launch is coming this winter. Can't wait. <laughs> well, that, to see that'll drive some serious
3: upside for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do think this is pretty bullish for the industry in general. I was actually a little bit surprised. I didn't expect it to be up that much, maybe slightly, but uh, that, it is good we are seeing some weakness on nba 2k uh, and that may be part of because of this weird season i don't know if anybody's watching well actually nobody's watching the nba <laughs> championships right now so uh but it is it, it looks like they're playing in a high school gym you know it's it's really weird and uh and it looks like the season is basically stacked on top of each other they're going to finish the playoffs and 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 championship and go to the season so and then the viewership of the of nba is so bad that i think there's some like kind of a backlash against all this uh you know political stuff maybe um but anyway Madden seems to be kind of doing better than than the NBA game and maybe that's just because <clears throat> uh they're kind of eliminate uh, not really focused too much on this political stuff um but anyway the point is is that this is good for the industry this means that people are engaged and and it's a good sign for what what's to come in terms of demand um, as we move forward. So I am excited to see what happens with all these games.
0: Okay, people, we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsor, Beta Hat, and then we will be right back. So stay tuned.
3: I want to talk about consumer insights. Honestly, I've always had issue with consumer insights. I questioned the value and felt that, see, I was always somewhat disconnected from the real world. The big issue with CI firms is they don't hire people that know anything about video games and therefore don't have a fundamental understanding of what matters in this business. That's why I like Beta Hat. Beta Hat knows the business of video games and understands how to connect consumer insights to the real world. And Beta Hat helps you understand your customers, understand not only what they do, but why. They specialize in customer segmentations, brand tracking, messaging and positioning, pricing and SKU planning, and play testing through qualitative and quantitative research. There are about 10 people in this industry that I rely upon to understand trends, and one of them is Stan Kwan, the CEO of Beta Hat. BetaHat is the best CI team in the industry. Go to betahatmr.com for more information. That's betahatmr.com.
0: Welcome back from the commercial break, and let's start the news. All right, rolling into the news. We're going to start with the first article, India bans PUBG, and Latest Crackdown on Chinese Apps. So CNN Business has reported that India has banned another collection of Chinese apps, including PUBG Mobile, as tensions between the two countries rise again over a disputed territory conflict. So last Wednesday, India's Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology announced blocking 118 apps that, quote, are engaged in activities which are prejudicial to sovereignty and integrity of India, defense of India, security of state and public order. In addition to PUBG Mobile, the list also include apps from Baidu and Alipay, which is the mobile payment app from Ant Group. So India has already blocked the use of TikTok, which was huge in India, as well as a number of apps designed to bypass the Indian government controls, such as VPN for TikTok. PUBG Mobile in particular was the top mobile game by MAU last year, according to AppAni, and in the first half of this year, PUBG was downloaded more than 54 million times in India and generate about $15.2 million. So my take on this is that I'm actually seeing various notes and messages from some Indian insiders that believe that the bans will not be permanent and that some actually expect PUBG Mobile, for example, to be back up in India. But from all of the news, there's no indication that this will happen. So we'll just have to see. Also, in pretty fortunate timing, India's Encore, which was notable for taking over live ops of Super Evil MegaCorp's Glory for a time, has announced a PUBG mobile light game called FAUG, Fearless and United Guards, and that their game is due out for launch next month in October. I believe I mentioned this before, but I think this kind of thing will continue to happen, and there will be. New winners in the market based on these kinds of geopolitical events that occur, but definitely good luck to Manohar and the rest of the Encore team. All the guys I've met at Encore have been really great guys, so great timing, and I wish them the best of luck. So second news story, Epic's latest Apple argument hints at plans for world domination. Kotaku is reporting that Epic filed a legal motion on Friday night that they note sheds light on intriguing insights about Epic's future plans for Fortnite, including building Fortnite up as a metaverse and also competing with services like Facebook. So Kotaku notes that Epic lost its case on the iOS side of getting Fortnite back on the App Store in part because it failed to demonstrate, quote, irreparable harm. In Epic's latest filing, Epic suggests far-reaching future damage to Epic's plans. The filing stated, quote, people prefer Fortnite over other games in part because Fortnite facilitates a community. It called the game one of the world's largest event venues. And particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic, such events are critical to connecting friends and families worldwide. Apple has driven a stake in the Fortnite community. Epic further writes, the removal of Fortnite from iOS also substantially impedes a major Epic initiative, evolving Fortnite into a full-fledged metaverse, a multi-purpose, persistent, interactive virtual space. Harm like this to Epic's flagship app cannot be calculated in damages. And more interestingly, at least for me, in an attached declaration, Epic CEO Tim Sweeney writes... One of the factors that makes Fortnite so special is its groundbreaking ability to provide a forum for a wide variety of virtual social experiences such as concerts, movie nights, and social and political discussions all in a single, freely accessible world. In the future, Epic plans to offer many more events and new features in Fortnite with the ultimate goal of creating the Fortnite metaverse, a robust, real-time, three-dimensional social medium complete with its own economy where people will be able to create and engage in any number of shared experiences. The vitality of Fortnite as a social space will increasingly depend on access for mobile users. Anyway, there's more to the Kotaku article I won't get into, but if you're interested, as always, feel free to click through the links as well as to read the legal filing itself, links in the show notes. And my take on this is that I just feel like this case just gets more and more interesting. I mean, everyone sort of guessed that Epic had plans to evolve Fortnite into some kind of metaverse. But for them to call it out specifically and to also talk about competing with Facebook, it's pretty bold. I also really like their writing. I mean, I definitely recommend you actually read the the filing on Friday. And based upon the interview that Eric and I did, the lawyers also (laughs) mentioned that it seems like the legal filing is actually written for, you know, the layperson. It's actually written for the public to read. So One of the interesting sentences, like right at the beginning of this legal filing on Friday, stated, quote, Apple is a monopolist. It controls all app distribution on iOS. It controls all in-app payment processing for digital content on iOS. It unlawfully maintains these two monopolies by explicitly prohibiting any competitive entry in either market. It is highly likely to lose this case, end quote. So yeah, just the uh the, the, the writing and the the cojones that Epic has is uh, is great. I love it. <laughs> anyway, what do you guys think?
3: Ah, uh, you know, I'm on Tim I'm on Team Tim Sweeney right now, but I don't know how this actually really bolsters their case, right? Because if they want to get their social platform back up and running, uh they just need to comply, right? Which is what Apple's response would likely be, right? And from pr- perspective of the court, I don't know. I don't know how this bolsters the case, but to prove anyway that that Apple is a monopoly, but I am doing my part. While Sweeney and Epic are losing tens of millions of dollars on Fortnite, I went out and bought my three hundred fifty dollar Pixel as a way means of never to buy another Apple product again. So now I am now officially an Android user. A yeah, big move, right? Right. I'm making sacrifices. I actually have one of the I have the eleven plus I have the eleven plus eleven Pro whatever plus like the best phone on the in the world, but I am using a $350 pixel. That's,
0: I'm putting my foot down on this. I think the argument though is that this is, because like the past legal ruling was that they didn't show irreparable harm. So I think they're trying to show harm for the future in terms of them building out this metaverse.
3: Uh, I see. Eh, all right. Mm. Yeah, I wish. Well, what I think is like, this is part of what we talked about in that podcast is that this is going to go on for a long, long time. So they're going to just start Taking pot shots at each other and trying to bolster their case. And I think ultimately, if we were to ask the lawyers, they'd probably say that all they're really trying to do is just get more and more people backing them. So the the customer to put more and more pressure on Apple, which is, I think, the ultimate goal for them to settle and do something that's uh, good for the publishers. But other than that, uh, it is an interesting read. And I think it's going to be an interesting saga. And I think what we need to do six months from now is have another podcast with the lawyers and get an update on the strategies and, and what's happening. Or maybe there's going to be a big event that we can bring them back on. Cause I think it will be interesting to talk about. Going what's forward. going
2: on with Google during all this stuff? Like while you're buying the pixel phone, like Fortnite <laughs> is still off Google, right? And, and, and Epic has, has put the same suit towards Google, uh, toward Google too, right?
0: Well, you, you can still download Fortnite on Android, right? But you have to go through the Epic store which'll give you all the scary yeah. pop-ups.
3: Oh, you can really sideload it still? I didn't know. I that. believe
0: so. Yeah. I mean, I you, you've got you've got the Google phone you can find out. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah,
3: I just think Apple is just being a bad actor just in general with all the stuff.
2: The last the um, last I, six I'm months, just curious like why everyone's just piling on Apple when like Google because, did the same thing. Because Apple's egregious. I mean, <laughs> Google is a
3: you know, a much better partner, right? Just in general. They they have much I think they do care more about the publishers than Apple does in general. And then it's been proven, and we've already talked about this a million times, but it's been proven over the years that Apple could give a fuck about publishers.
0: So, Yeah, I uh, personally can't give up my iPhone.
3: (laughs) uh, It's going to be hard, man. But see, you know what I realized is I don't even really use anything from Apple anymore. I don't use the music. I don't use their email. I don't use anything from them, uh, even their iCloud. I'll
0: I'll tell you why you should keep an iPhone, because... Podcasts. If you look at our stats, like the majority of people that listen to our podcast are from the iPhone. Like Google has crap when it comes to podcasts. Like nobody listens to our podcast on a Google.
3: But now everything's on Spotify, man. Yeah, it's on Spotify. There's a lot of great podcast apps that I've been using for a long time. I just think, um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. So even though it's only three hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> I, I'm still holding on to my old phone. So if I want to switch back, I just move the swim card to one to the other and I'm done. Right. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> All right. There was a report about a new switch model with better graphics coming in 2021. Did we cover this before? I can't yeah. remember. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So rumors according to Bloomberg is there's a new switch supporting 4K visuals um, coming in early 2021. This report actually has been around for the last two years. Um, this along with the Switch Lite, which actually ended up being true, which was released in 2019. Bloomberg also reports that Nintendo has a slew of games that is planned to coincide with the release of the new Switch. And this could be blame to blame for a lot of the lack of content this year that people are perceived. Um, so this makes absolute sense to me, right? You get out of the way of the PS5, Xbox Series X launch this holiday. You hold on to the hardware until you have super compelling games content to push the hardware. So like, for instance, an HD version of Zelda coming out would be incredible to jumpstart the Switch, The similar to what they did with the original Switch, um, which would allow the core something to buy. And then also the masses could continue to buy the old, old version. Um, and again, in order to realize their digital dreams, you know, they really need better hardware. I mean, honestly, the Switch is a, is a piece of crap. Frankly, it, the screen is okay. I suppose the processor is terrible. There's really no onboard storage to speak of. Uh, there's no Bluetooth. You know, the, the Wi-Fi chip is not capable of doing streaming, as we've talked about before. So a lot of this things that are wrong with the switch could be fixed with relatively ease and not really that much of an upgrade per se, particularly on the, in terms of cost. So in order for them to really execute against this digital strategy, that, and part of the reason that this investor, you know, this activist investor got involved, is with a new, a new console. Um, so what I'm hoping is that this actually replaces the original switch SKU, so at the similar price point. And then they keep the light as a lower version, lower price skew. Um, that would be the cleanest, I think, right? I don't expect new switch exclusives for this device uh, anytime soon, maybe down the line potentially. But what I'm hoping is that they basically uh, migrate to these this better, better tech and better technology so that they can do things going forward. That, that will help them kind of achieve this, this you know, digital dream, as, as I said. Uh, and I hope they don't do 4K. I think 4K at a small screen doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and then the biggest challenge is that with the cartridge-based system, you may need like three or four cartridges to do a proper like, you know, 4K game, particularly third party. Having said that, if they don't care about third party, which I don't think they do, um, then perhaps they could do 4K with their IP, which probably wouldn't require as much storage. Uh, what do you
2: think, Adam? Yeah, I would expect this to be pretty much the same model that they did with the Nintendo 3DS. Um, so they've already come up with the light version, and then they'll come up with the new version, which is basically the Switch Pro. Uh, and I also agree on resolution, because I think also thinking about it from a third-party publisher perspective, they need to kind of keep that gap between latest-gen consoles and the Switch as small as possible, preferably. So I think mandating or, or promoting 4K resolution only makes that gap bigger. Um, so it just becomes a lot harder to run at a decent frames per second. Um, so like already on Switch, you have games like The Witcher. I think it drops down to like 540p <laughs> um, in handheld and, and even on TV, right? Like it's an, an adaptable 720 because just the hardware can't take it, right? I and mean, that's an old game. Dude, that chip was like
3: four years old when they released the Switch. You know, and it's it was it was unbelievable uh, yeah. how underpowered that thing is. But the, the
2: you but know, Skyrim the is,
3: runs like a, like a dream on the Skyrim is amazing, <laughs> right? Uh, the thing is that like I think this is an age old debate in the in gaming. But like, it's far better to run a higher frame rate than it is to run a higher resolution. You know, 1080p should be fine for this device. Like, stop it. You know, stop with okay crap. You know. Um, and then the heat and the battery life, all these things need to be uh, you know, compensated for. And I think if they just stay, stick with 1080p and get like a reasonably
2: decent chip, I think they should be fine going forward. So we'll see. But I think you're right. Like if they tie Zelda to the new, right? And just say that it's optimized for that chip, Will do really well they will sell it off the shelves dude it'll
3: be a, you know a whole new sell cycle for them i am I'm, I'm super bullish on this and I, and by the way i mean I, I was heard i heard this like back last year that this was happening so like this is nothing really groundbreaking from my perspective but um this mitigates a lot of the weakness that we're seeing within the switch market from the perspective of games uh uh and and you know that super mario set of games is not very people are not very happy with that but um But nonetheless, that should sell extremely well over the holiday and then they can bolster it with new hardware and hopefully a big release for early next year. So that's cool. Um, All right, next one, PS5 won't be backwards compatible with PS3, PS2 or PS1, Ubisoft says. So Ubisoft support fact says that PS5 won't be backwards compatible with the original uh, consoles. Um, And of course, Ubisoft is speaking out of turn. They should not be announcing this, but it's just more. I, I just want to set this set set this thing straight, okay? Because people seem not to understand, you know, the nature of what what are the issues with backwards compatibility in general, right? Because Sony, in essence, has been really hesitant to talk about backwards compatibility for good reason, right? The only thing they they have committed to is support for PS4 titles, right? And they say basically they were support for the overwhelming majority of more than 4,000 PS4 titles, right? That's the only thing they've really committed to. And this is a very simple issue. And the PS3 was a terrible device, like fundamentally. The cell-based architecture was an absolute train wreck from the get-go. It was impossible to develop for, impossible to optimize, absolute hassle for the entire cycle. Despite how well it ultimately did, it still was a terrible device. And even though it had better power on paper, the cell-based architecture never really surpassed the Xbox in terms of fidelity and, and because of the complexity of the design itself. So what's the point? The point is that while Microsoft has been on the, on the PC architecture for generations, PS3 with the cell-based architecture was, was terrible. So it takes more time, more effort and more expense to create backwards compatibility with PS3 and PS2 for that matter. Um, and in some cases, it's almost impossible to bring these games uh, to the new consoles because of the, the, they've been built for this uh, the, that type of architecture. So the other huge issue that no one ever talks about that seems obvious to me is that Sony used NVIDIA processors on the PS3, and I think on the PS2 and over as well. So in order to bring these games to PS4 or PS5, you likely have to pay NVIDIA some money given their license, right? And that's not something they want to be doing, right? And it, it creates a huge level of friction for people to do it. And then the other option is emulation, but you don't want to get involved in emulation because that creates all kinds of issues and also legal problems as well. So Microsoft, on the other hand, has been using AMD since the Xbox 360. And so it's much easier to migrate these, these, these games to next consoles. So that's why we see Microsoft promoting backwards compatibility is because they have the ability and the flexibility to do that relatively easy, while Sony does not. And so that is the biggest challenge with Sony for backwards compatibility. The PS4, on the other hand, and the PS5 are exactly the same architecture. That shouldn't be a problem. We should see tons of PS4 games on the PS5. But stop asking for PS3 and PS2 games because it is not going to happen. Or it's going to be a very challenge. What was the
2: architecture on PS2? It it wasn't cell-shaded on PS2 and ps No, it
3: wasn't cell-based, but it was uh, AMD chip. I'm sorry, uh, NVIDIA chip on PS2, I believe. Um, yeah, that architecture wasn't his job, but it was still proprietary as far as I remember. Um, Microsoft has always been on the PC architecture, obviously. All right, Adam, did I get that right? Because you're the tech
2: guy. I'm just kind of the business guy that I hear. No, through. no, you totally got that right. I I, I remember 10 years ago um, developing for a PS3 and Xbox 360 and you know, trying to port anything to PS3 was just a joke. But the architecture was such a pain in the ass to work on. Yeah, it's funny that no one really wants to talk about that. You know, and and
3: back then, I mean, this is <laughs> this week in baseball type, but but the uh, back then it was like that's part of the reason the Japanese guys got so hosed during that cycle is because they didn't have the tools and technologies to optimize against the PS3, which was their primary platform. And there wasn't any like cohesive tool to where, to where there was before because uh, Unreal took forever to get get up to snuff uh, for PS3, there wasn't, and and then I forgot the tool from, ah, I can't remember the tool before, but there was a tool for PS, uh, PS2. ps So they basically just got, fell so far behind that we didn't see them evolve their games because they were so mired in technology issues. Uh, that's what I've been told many times about Capcom, Konami, um, and some of the Sega, et cetera. So anyway, the point is the PS3 was a shitty device from the get go. Um, and uh, they've been kind of obviously fixed it with the PS4 and like the P- likely the PS5. So, by the way, who's getting a console at launch? Are You guys both? I mean,
2: I guess oh, we all have to. If, if <laughs> PS5s are available, I'll definitely buy one. Yeah. Did you guys try to pre-order? No, because it didn't even have a price yet. Oh, who cares, man? Well,
0: you, you know, it's not a lottery system anymore. It's uh, it's based upon your your previous loyalty. <laughs>
3: No, what? I know. That's why my well, son plays. One. My <laughs> son plays so much Fortnite. Like my my son is probably going to add some value, right? So I'm going to be able to get a PS5 because he's playing like hundreds and hundreds of hours on the PS4. So good for him. All
0: right, All right.
3: That's, Thanks, it. that's it. Next week is 100. Yeah, 100 episodes of this sh- nonsense. So let's hope we have better news for next week—not <laughs> just a bunch of small stories. It's also a holiday week, so it's generally going to be a little bit slower, probably. When's Mishka getting back? Soon. All right. Yeah, He's yeah. got to be on the hundredth, right?
0: Yeah, actually, might might even want to do like a special hundredth episode. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All no, we
2: gotta get him. Get him here. That was good. Hey, we'll take a look all at right. Call of Duty after one year. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
3: guys, have a good week.
0: It's later. Bye.